is Lisa LaRose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM. And I'm joined by the most amazing co-host, Michael J. Russ. I would like to welcome you, Michael. I am so blessed to have you in this life as my as my co-pilot on this show. <laughs> just and so I, many you. things. I, yeah. Love I'm it. Just, um, I love being a co-pilot. That's I look forward to it every life. week. Yeah, and so before the the show earlier in the day, Michael and I were chatting, and he had uh, some divine guidance about what we could speak about on the show. And and one of the the main topic basically is that you can't define your present from your past. And where millions of people, I think, don't make this connection. I think that many times. Um, we feel sort of fatalistic. We feel that we are born into a set of circumstances. Uh, we become conditioned. And I think it's really about becoming aware. Uh, Deepak Chopra wrote, you are the center of yourself at will. You are familiar with the places of peace and silence inside. You aren't divided against yourself by inner conflicts. You can transcend these disturbances and and I really like that because I thought about that being aware of where we are and what that we own the power and I'm going to let you kick it off Michael because you have the most amazing quote and and I would love to to ruminate on it and uh, discuss what you you're bubbling up on well what I'm bubbling up on is the fact that uh, I guess I've been hit by two things this week Um, that, that one specifically that kind of brought back some some uh, particular thoughts about my own uh, what my parents did for me, and I might have discussed something along these lines with a different uh, twist in terms of subject in, in past in a past episode. But I feel it's important to bring it up now because what you just said there about divining your present from your past, you know, we can only we only know what we know. That's it. We we we. We happen to, if, if we walk down a crowded street, and in the past we've walked down crowded streets and, and something tra- traumatic happened to us, we would have that experience. That's how we would literally live that experience of walking down the street now. That's how we, we would do it. We would remember what happened. We would be alert to uh, triggers and things that actually uh, would signal perhaps that the same thing might happen. And so the challenge in life is to always walk into the next moment, seeing the next moment as the first time that the moment uh, ever occurred. I think it was Maya Angela who actually uh, had a great quote um, along these lines uh, that I'm not going to say I remember the quote entirely, but its, its substance was why do we, not, not why do we, but that we, when we wake up, we have to approach today like, like from the standpoint of welcome to the next, the next time in your life. Welcome to the next day of your life. Welcome to a completely new opportunity in your life. And that's the way we have to see it. And this takes training. This takes awareness and it takes mental training to focus yourself on um, walking into a situation uh, based with, with fresh eyes instead of looking from behind and dictating, having that dictate how you experience the present. Now, this all came about because of a story that I had read 
uh, in the Guardian U.S. And I'll kind of quickly go through a cliff note version of it. That it was about a, a black man and his family coming from Atlanta down to where I live in Panama City Beach, down on 30A, in an area that um, there's a lot of money that buys, that has purchased million-dollar homes and restaurants and all this kind of stuff. It's a very, very highbrow area. And you don't see a lot of black people in this area. Black people have a tendency to go to places where there are other black people. And I've noticed this when I I go to Jamaica and I go to the Dominican Republic, anywhere in the Caribbean, lots of great traveling. I don't necessarily go there, uh, go to the Caribbean or go to where black people hang out because I want to be with black people. It's just the function of I grew up being the only black person in the room, being the only black person in, in, for miles in any direction. And my parents taught us to um, embrace that as an opportunity, not see it as a detriment. And to this day, six and a half decades later, I, that's the way that I go through my entire life. And this gentleman and his family came down to uh, an area, and the first thing they noticed was that they were the only black people on the beach or in their area or on the street or whatever. It made them slightly uncomfortable. So they had these expectations that they were going to be treated in a, in a particular way, that way not being positive. And the glory of the story is that they weren't. They were embraced. They were treated as anyone else. Um, the the concept of discrimination uh, of you know black people coming into a white entitled area where there's lots of money and and again entitlement uh, that stuff does exist. However, I've been here 20 years and I haven't experienced it. And I go to the events. I go to events where I only see one other black person. I go to restaurants where there's no other black person in the entire place. Um, and I'm treated, I know the chefs, I know the, the assistant chefs, I know the waiters, the waitresses, I know the managers. And I, because I don't carry this, these, these preconceived ideas as this particular family was. They and their two kids had a great time. And the story kind of ended with, with, with him saying, wow, maybe we ought to go visit other places down along the coast that have in the past been associated with racism or other um, inequities. And I said, I do it all the time. Go from here to Louisiana, from here to New Orleans, and I am treated just like anybody else. I've never in 20 years experienced any um, discrimination whatsoever at any restaurant. I think there was, there was one restaurant, if I have to think about it, that was – uh, an enclave in an area, when I walked into it, I kind of felt a little bit strange. Um, and and I, it was because of the heritage of that particular restaurant. So I let that go because that was, that was not the norm. It was the absolute exception. However, in 20 years, that is the only example. And nobody said anything to me. Nobody made my experience uncomfortable. It was just I felt by the patrons and maybe some of the restaurant staff that there was something going on. And I happened to be there with my mother, which was unique. 
who grew up in the South. And so my the point I want to make here with this is that we it is a lot of fun and we have to embrace it as fun to experience each day, give ourselves the opportunity to step outside of our comfort zone and experience the day in a way that we have not before, that is not colored by our, our past experiences or information that we've ingested because this is this is the main thing we we ingest this information information about racism information about um, problems information that the media wants us to know because it's divisive because it mm-hmm. elevates emotions right it elevates emotions and it's not at all positive and it, it pits us against each other and right. I can tell you, yeah, I can tell you other instances, instances where I've been. Uh, there, was, there was a gentleman who we know who's a friend of ours, very nice guy, very loving guy. And uh, he's done some uh, upholstery work for us. He lives on my girlfriend's property with his, with his sister. And we were sitting at, at Christmas. We were sitting, at, sitting down at Christmas about, <laughs> my gosh, it was uh, probably 12 years ago. We, he came over for a Christmas party because she used to throw a Christmas party for everybody who didn't have anywhere to go. He wanted to go home. And, you know. So it was a sort of a mystic Christmas party for everybody. And he sat down next to me on the couch, and he crossed his legs, and he had Confederate flag socks. <laughs> I, thought, I just about – I fell out laughing, number one. I fell out laughing because he's from Alabama. He's from northern Alabama, Okay. And down here, you see a lot of, you see Confederate facts, people who, you know, call it, it's our heritage, quote, unquote, and blah, 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 never forget it, all, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't necessarily get into, I, I, it, I just laughed. I looked at him and I said, really, dude, you got these, so- you brought these socks to our house? And he goes, oh, oh, he was like, oh, my God, I forgot I had these socks on. <laughs> And I'm like, I was just laughing at him. He was laughing with me, and I said, "Dude, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. Why he had them on? It's none of my business. I don't really care. I just know him as a very nice guy. He's always been pleasant to me. He's pleasant to other people, and he's, he's, his work is great. You know, you, you can't get in the middle of other people's beliefs. It will, it will, it will contaminate your relationship. It will. I find that now." find that happens now more than ever is that people will only go out with people that believe what they believe or think like they believe and I had people at my house last night for 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 fourth of July for barbecue I mean we have a, a standing rule nobody talks about politics nobody talks about religion that's all there is to it because when you leave those two things out then you you happen to get into the essence of who someone is. Because once you go there, then you, you have all these uh, rote belief systems and all of that information that they've been fed through whatever source that they receive their information from takes over and, and it's like they become a zombie to regurgitating stuff. And you, don't, you have to get past that. We have to get past that now. And I have many friends down here who, who don't particularly share my political beliefs and don't share my religious tones or spirituality, you know, my beliefs spiritually. I live in a Bible belt. Everybody's going to some church. 
and wants to know if you want to come and you know, do you do do you believe this? Do you believe that? I'm going, you know, it's none of your business <laughs> what I believe. It really is. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's I don't ask you what you believe and I don't expect you to ask what I believe. Let's just let's go out somewhere and meet for a, a if if we're going to be friends, if I think we could be friends, we'll go have a we'll go have a meal and let's see if we can get beyond that part of things in order to um to have to see if the relationship can go any further. Now, if we're of the same persuasion in terms of thought, we can have a conversation, a deep-seated conversation about this or that or the other thing without raising any emotional uh, flags and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it, it's, it's a beautiful life when you, you can, we say, I should say life is beautiful and life is good when you approach it from that perspective at all times, no matter where you are, and that and you leave your preconceived ideas and notions about people or circumstances at home when you when you do right. that. Just like this gentleman did. He, he was so, he's going to come down here again. Now that his experience has opened his eyes to the fact that it's not like he thought it was or had been told it was. And uh, so there are always going to be critics. I just mm-hmm. say, why not, why not? let what the critics say go because you don't know what informed their criticism. You have no idea what informed their criticism. And why don't you just, uh, just go and experience it by yourself for, so that you can see what it is and that, and then you can, you, you can, you can approach it with fresh eyes and then have your own experience, not one that's been colored by somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know? Yeah, you're absolutely Um, right. You remember when we were speaking about Tina Turner, and one of the things that she said was she she grew up in the South, and she said she was a product of the church that she went to and the beliefs in the community and Mm -hmm. what it was. And I think part of what you're saying, Michael, is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, if I woke up and I put the same T-shirt on every day, it would get worn out and comfortable. But at some point, if I try a new T-shirt, maybe it might not be as soft and cozy or whatever, and there may be some uncomfortable, but eventually I'll really get to either like it or I can discard it. And I think that's sort of where our belief system, we grow up in a community where we're shaped by what our parents believe, what our friends believe. And at some point, I think we've just become so conditioned to accept that we don't question different things. There was a really great story, and I always think about it when I, I think about this topic. There was a woman, and every year when she would prepare the Christmas ham, she would cut the end off of it. And she never really questioned that. It was just what she did until somebody said, why are you cutting the end off? And she said, well, my mother always did that. She always cut the end off of the ham. And finally, one day, she just asked her mom, what, you know, what, what's the reason that we do this? And she said, I didn't have a pan big enough to fit the pan. So I just, you know, I couldn't fit it in my pan, so I'd always have to cut off the end. And, and it, to me, that just illustrates we do something based on what we visually are watching, and it becomes mm-hmm. a habit and it's ingrained. Does it make it right? Does it make it wrong? Did it change the flavor of the ham? Absolutely not. But there That's was a lot that was wasted because because of it. And nobody ever questioned it. Well, that's just what my mother did. 
And and right. I really do believe that as we, you know, grow in our awareness and we start to really look at how we've been conditioned, it's, uh, you know, whatever it is, I think it's time that we all take off that old comfortable T-shirt and try something new. Because so much fun it, when you do. quite honestly, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You realize that there's Captain America socks. I saw somebody yesterday when I went out for an ice cream cone. He had Captain America socks, and he was with his kids, and he was the next in line. And they said, "Can we? We're ready for you." And he said, "Well, we're going to be." I said, "You know, I." He said, "You go." And I said, "Are you sure?" And three little girls. And it was so interesting because he was really. Take, he was such a patient father. He had three little girls. One was five, and you know, the other one was three. And he was reading all through the menu, and he was really allowing them to have exactly what they wanted. Not like, okay, well, this was my favorite ice cream. You should really try this one. I, I, right. I really applaud him. In my opinion, he was Captain America to those kids. Absolutely. That's great. That is a great example, by the way. And I love your example when it comes to. Uh, the ham. There was a reason why they didn't fit in. It didn't. Never, never even asked. Probably why that was the case. However, um, that is exactly what we do. And my mother always taught us to be independent thinkers. That's what she was always saying. You know, think independently. Think for yourself. What she used to say, especially when we would go out with friends, she would say, "Think for yourself." And she would do that because uh, she didn't want us thinking like our peers and just doing what our peers did. She wanted us to think for ourselves and made sure that she reinforced that when we, when we went out and we did something. And I, I you know, treasure her for those little bits of, of wisdom and the things that she uh, taught us when it comes to engaging with people, to be an ambassador. Because quite frankly, and you were talking about this too, where, where there are times where you, you've gone places and you've been the only, only white person. And Absolutely. basically what people forget is if, if, if we go to a place and we're the only one representing our particular race or gender or whatever, people have preconceived ideas and notions about us and how we're going to behave and what we're going to do and, and the direction we're going to take. And I'm always, I'm always so joyful about blowing those expectations, ideas, and judgment out right out of the water. I will literally just, they'll just, I'll just explode them, right? So that they, whatever idea they thought or harbored based on what they read or someone they saw or, you know, some news outlet that they, that has droned into their head that, that this should happen if you're in this situation, uh, that uh, it doesn't and that they, that, that's dispelled completely. Um, and the whole idea, I, I know this is a sensitive topic, but I've talked about it in the past, that not every police officer that, stuck, that stops a, 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 a black person is, it, it has it out for them. I've been stopped twice by local and uh, state police. Nothing ever, nothing ever came of it that was, that was bad. As a matter of fact, I, I, didn't get, I haven't paid a fine or gotten a I had a $7.50 fine because I was in somebody else's car and they didn't have the registration up to date because somebody had stolen the sticker off the back of their plate. That was it. But he knocked it down from 75. So he said, I can't, get, I can't let you get away with this completely because this is a thing, but I can knock it down to this amount, just send in a check. And I'm going, hey, this is fantastic. Um, I think it's the way that it, people underestimate 
what your thought process and 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 when your thought process happens to um how it informs the vibrations that you're putting out how when what you're focused on is what you resonate so mm-hmm. if you have if you resonate fear or distrust you're going to that's going to be picked up by the people around you so if you're if you have an authority figure and you're uh, who's who's somehow either interviewing you or stopping you or done whatever your thought process at that time is going to inform all of your body language the tone of your voice your eyes your facial expressions it's going to literally end, end the vibration in your energy field and I like to make sure that when I'm encountering new people the vibration in my energy field is as positive as it could possibly get followers to it so that I'm walking around like I've got this light around me and the light is all is is bright bright and beautiful and yeah, bright and doing, beautiful light yeah bright and beautiful and that's all we really need to do and our thought process has to very much coincide to create that um and and it's i i love doing it i love meeting new people uh and uh i i love dispelling whatever preconceived ideas they had about meeting someone like me or where i'm from or whatever i've had people walk up to me and they literally say you're not from here where are you from where are you from <laughs> i get that where are you from? they keep time. asking the same question i go well i'm not from here well i came from but where are you from you know you don't sound like you're anywhere from around here or anywhere that I've ever known. So where are you from? You know, I'm sitting there. I had a I had a Jamaican lady just she was managing a restaurant and she was she asked me that question like five times. Yeah, but where are you from? Are you from Jamaica? Are you from you know, you sound like a, a wealthy Jamaican. That's <laughs> what she told me. A wealthy a Jamaican. Wealthy what does a wealthy Jamaican wow. Yeah. She <laughs> says you're somebody who's been educated in Europe and then come back. Well, you know, you and have been. you've I been said, educated around the world, I think. Exactly. I you have. Exactly. Exactly. Because what? My but diction I, is so sharp, you know. But there's also another component and it has to do with your heart. You have amazing heart energy. You have a very open heart. And I think that for many people when your heart is closed to the world, it, you really shut off a lot of rewarding experiences. Uh, when you open your heart, you can become very active to create a whole different sort of reality. You don't miss out on the wonders of life. You look at the right. experiences of chance meetings and what exists. I mean, I think that that is all part of it. Rather than mm-hmm. you know being in a space of, of closed-mindedness, you open your heart and you create that awareness to anything and everything that comes your way. And then yeah. you sort of say, okay, how am I going to use this? And I think the other component, Michael, is that you love yourself enough to live in every moment. And you, whatever past hurts there were, you've forgotten about them. And you don't worry about what tomorrow will bring. You truly live in the day. You And whatever moments and whatever opportunities present themselves. And that's a gift. It really, truly is a gift. And I think well, it's... Thank you. I I very much appreciate it. It's it's it is a gift. It's one of these. I I've come to understand right now. It's a gift of many lifetimes. It's a gift of of being uh, of of how I chose to 
uh, engage in this lifetime, which I had really no idea of until you know, where I am now in my life. It's just you go through from one day to the next. You face what you face and understand that the choices that you make uh, are all going to have consequences, and you have to forgive yourself for making choices that didn't work out the way that they that you thought they would. However, the experience, having had the experience is the important thing, not what happened, but having had the experience and now being able to, uh, to say, I have experiential wisdom in this area with this thing. And it's about that. It's about amassing this experiential wisdom because this is an, ex- an experiential life uh, that you're living. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is amazing when I run into somebody. I played golf with a gentleman yesterday who lived in Louisville, Kentucky, and he'd never left Louisville, Kentucky, never lived anywhere else. He'd, he'd gone on vacation places, but he, he, his only home had been in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm always amazed when I see people I uh, meet people who are from one city, never left. They go vacation. He, every year he'd come down here to Panama City Beach with his, from, with his family ever since he was a kid. He still does it, which is why he was playing golf with me. And it, it's just, it, is, it astounds me. And, and I didn't get enough time to really ask him, you know, where he'd been and what, what, where he left, the, the place he liked the most other than Louisville when he went on vacation would have been interesting to ask those kinds of questions, but you just don't have that time playing a game where you have to focus and concentrate so much uh, on, you know, you either decide the game isn't important or the person there is, and I was playing with somebody else, so it wasn't as important. So, but I meet a lot of great people like that. I meet a lot of really interesting people that I will come across again, and my main mission is to make sure that I am a positive force for their game, for their, uh, for their experience, uh, that I help create a positive experience for them um, based on my own behavior, what uh, I exemplify, and, and be an influence on them in a positive way. That, that to me, is more, uh, is more valuable than anything else. And there's one thing that Carol and the collective always talk about, the Yeshua Collective, and that is thoughtful expectations. I like engaging with people who have thoughtful expectations. And it's something that we all have to aspire to, is having thoughtful expectations um, about, you know, the next moment. You can go into the next moment fearing it, thinking, fearing what might happen, because it is the unknown until it is the known. Or you can, you know, have thoughtful expectations, uh, positive expectations of them, of the next moment, that it will be something amazing, uh, that it will be miraculous, and it's a choice. You don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. However, I can inform the next moment by what I'm thinking and what I'm focused on. And I'm focused on thoughtful expectations that the next moment will hold something really, really cool. And uh, whether it does or doesn't isn't the point. The point is that I am focused on the positive. In, in my life and in the moments of my life. Uh, and it, that's with everything from the moment I get up in the morning. And so I encourage our audience here on PRNFM to do that, to, have, to just, just embrace thoughtful expectations because you never know where they might take you because what we focus on informs our state of being. And that is 
probably the most valuable thing that I've learned and the thing that continues to to astound me uh, day in, day out is that, that what we think about, what we focus on, informs who we are and what we experience in our mm-hmm. own lives in every single moment. It's got to, it's drilled down to that, to the, to the, to the microsecond uh, of that. And it's, 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 it continues to be the most beautiful thing I think about life uh, so far is, is just that we, it's, it's, we are creators and that's how we create. We create by having thoughtful expectations. We create by being focused on the positive. We create by uh, informing the next moment with positive feelings and emotions instead of negative ones or like fear and worry and concern or, you know, am I going to be this? Am I going to do that? Or doubt, my word. The, the, the last uh, video I listened to uh, from, from Carol and the Collective talked about doubt and how doubt happens to be the one thing in the human experience that prevents us from from excelling from being all that we could be from um, following the guidance that's given to us by our non-physical vibrational being guides Uh, everything it's doubt doubt is the thing that they could eliminate doubt in the human experience, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. It literally is a limit. Get rid of doubt. And I think about that all the time. I'm thinking about, am I doubting this? Am I, am I with this? Am I fully in on this? Have I got both feet into this? Or is there a little bit of doubt hanging around, you know, out there somewhere? Um, and so that is something that I'm extremely cognizant about. And I obviously I encourage everybody to do the same because it's these little things that we don't think that we think are inconsequential actually end up being some of the most valuable things to us, creating experiences. And they're all about they're all a choice. It don't cost us anything. It doesn't cost you to, to, to be positive versus negative. It doesn't cost you anything to smile versus frown. It does, none of these things involve money or time or lots of effort. They don't involve moving mountains. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's the simplest things. Focus on something positive. Focus on the, the finding joy in something that you're in, in your experience, in what you're, in what you're looking at, in what you're being exposed to. Find the joy in it. Look for the joy instead of all the negativity. Instead of, instead of judging it as something bad or looking for the negative in it, looking for the bad in it. It's just, it's just a, where we focus our efforts. And I've gotten to the point in my life, and I, you know you have too, where we understand I've had enough death. People die in my life. And uh, this is another conversation I had with somebody the other day um, that if you've never had anybody close to you and important in your life, important to you, pass away, you are, you're going to experience that moment differently than someone who has had at least one, two, mm-hmm. or three people. And sometimes it can be too deep for too long that you're grieving over the, the loss of this particular individual, uh, and, which is another problematic situation because, again, our thoughts inform our experience. That we're going to more, the more we focus on 
the negative of their being gone and the loss and the tragedy or the how and the why of it, the more our experience is going to um, be, that experience is going to be perpetuated in just about everything that we do. And it will impact everything and everybody around us because it's what our energy field is carrying at the time. And everybody's going to sense it. And sooner people will accept it for a moment or two or three, but they won't accept it forever. And eventually it's going to repel people, people who are positive influences in their life. It will repel them because they don't want to be up against that, being hit by that wall of negativity and despair forever. They'll, nobody can deal with that. Nobody can, we're not as human beings um, set up to just deal with it, deal with somebody else's negativity, uh, no matter what the cause. And it, it's a shame, but that's really the way it is. We attract to us what we, uh, what we put out. And if that's what we're putting out, we can't expect to have better if we don't change our thinking first. All these little things, I spend a lot of time thinking about it if you, can't, if you have noticed. <laughs> no, I mean, it's absolutely wonderful, Michael. And I love your word choice about, you know, people speak about being mindful, but I think being thoughtful is, uh, there's, <laughs> you know, just to be thoughtful of somebody else and to put somebody else's needs is really powerful. And we had uh, spoken briefly about Abraham Maslow, the, the psychologist, and one oh, yeah. of the things he said was, you know, when people appear to be something other than good or decent, it's only because they're reacting to stress, pain, or the deprivation of basic human needs, such as security, love, and self-esteem. And, and he really talked about that when your physiological needs are met, things like air, water, food, shelter, your safety was met, you know, the felt that you were able to be loved and belonging, with friendship, intimacy, and things like that, then you could go to the next level where you had self-esteem and, and recognition. And we've spoken about um, self-worth. And I think that because a lot of these other needs are not being met, it makes a big, big difference. And, you know, the highest is self-actualization, which is the desire to become the most that one can be. And I think that that's where thoughtful is. I think that when you are thoughtful and, and filling up that vessel that you are with really looking at how you can share love, how you can share your gifts and talents, what it is that mm-hmm. you can do to change and not be in that space of reacting. And sometimes it's just about adjusting our attitude and changing the way we see things and really looking for good in every situation and and when something challenges you how are you going to accept that is it a lesson is it a new opportunity for growth rather than saying okay this is extra stress um, and this always happens to me and why does this (laughs) you know this happened to me when I was in second grade and this keeps happening to me and then we're worrying about you know is this going to happen to me of an opportunity but no I can't I can't go for that because this happened to me in the past. But really, when, right. you, when you are in that space of being thoughtful and you say, okay, I can let all of that go. It doesn't really matter. It's how I am responding. And, and responding is being mindful, being thoughtful. And I think that's when you invite the miraculous in. 
And I, yeah, I really I agree. love that. I really do. Well, thank you. Um, it, it's, there's, we're, all, we're all busy. We're all doing things. And we're, in, we're in, involved in life. Uh, the uh, societal trail, as I like to call it sometimes, where you, you, you're doing what society expects you to do and you haven't deviated. Uh, and and the, the fun part, though, is the deviation. Um, as long as you're loving, empathetic, compassionate, and kind to others, you can deviate like crazy. You can, you can change your mind about something that, uh, and I applaud people who, who reach the point in their professions or their life where they recognize that who they're with or where they are is not serving them in a positive way, is not adding but detracting from their life experience. This is the, in, in, in that recognition, in the moment of that recognition, making a choice about being able, about, okay, I'm going to do something different. And I'm not, I don't really care what other people think if I decide to do this because it's not the norm. You know, it's not what society says you should do. You can do it, do things any way you want. Uh, a friend of mine who five years ago, a woman, a uh, single woman in her 60s, decided that she would uh, retire and live in Turkey. And we're going to visit her in a couple of months. And she happens to be here now because her husband passed. But she had separated from her husband because that was a dangerous situation, a situation that wasn't, that wasn't good for her. And she went to a country, stepped off the plane, and knew no one knew no one and had to make and, and, and made a life for herself. And uh, I find that I applaud her because she has succeeded in doing it. She's very smart. She does her research. And, but she found that the people embraced her. Expats embraced her, Brits, French expats, uh, American, there are a couple of American expats there. And it's like this around the world. You can go just about anywhere. You can find people who are expatriates of other countries and mm-hmm. uh, who made a decision to just change their life. And in doing so, uh, alleviate the stress and the strain of societal pressures and just start carving out an existence for yourself that is beyond anything that you could ever really imagine. Great food, great people, friends. Um, and you know history, things that you you can build a life around what it is that you really love and what resonates with you. And uh, I know, and I I can talk to at least ten people, but friends of mine they never they would never do that in a million years. Is because of the fact that even though they like where they are mostly, they would never do something that extreme. They would they would uh, they wouldn't want to be away from family. And she has family. She's got grandkids now. However, um, she comes back once a year and enjoys uh, visiting them and then goes back. That's wonderful. uh, Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, it's interesting because I uh, I have this Confucius quote in my office and it says, wherever you go, go with all your heart. And I would imagine that in her journey, that's exactly what she does. She went to Turkey with an open heart and she was ready to go wherever she met with love and really be open to whatever experience. I mean, that, that takes a, a lot of courage. And 
to be able to say, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Did she, I just out of curiosity, did she speak the language? No, Bill doesn't really wow. speak it that well. She knows wow. how to get around. Most people speak English. Most Turks, in most foreign countries, believe it or not, they want to learn English. Um, right. And so they're happy to have somebody who they can engage in English with. And uh, so, because it helps them to broaden their horizons too. And you can, you know, trade uh, language, practicing each other's language. Uh, and it's, it's fun. However, most places around the world, English is still the number one language in the world. Still the number one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think then there's French and there's German. Uh, but there is a language, believe it or not. Uh, I don't hear it talked about very much. You have to ask yourself, well, when a French person and a German person get together and neither one speaks the, the language, what do, how do they communicate with each other? It's called Globish. The language is called Globish. It is a form of C-spot run English. <laughs> interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, so when you go to Asia and you're German and you don't speak, you know, you don't speak Japanese or you don't speak uh, something else, you each know certain English words that you can come to common ground on. And so you start speaking, uh, uh, you know, a, a, when I say C-spot run, I'm talking about very basic words, you know, to, right. me, and, you know, us, uh, that. I mean, just things that are uh, words that, that most Americans take for granted in terms of the English language, but they are important because I have found that I can communicate with just about anybody on the planet by reading their facial expressions and the tone of their voice Absolutely. and their expressions, their the body language and, and the like. And uh, we can come to, um, and, and everybody knows numbers. You know, so mm-hmm. if you're negotiating for something, everybody knows numbers and uh, and the like. So it's 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 fun. It's a challenge. It's a, it's a fun challenge. It's a it's a happy it's a happy situation. And um, for all for for you know the people that are, that are listening, I find that uh, there is a there is a Rumi quote that I absolutely love. Um, Let's get into the show with it, but I think it's really interesting to just have a couple of comments about it from you. Uh, and it's, it, it's, I read it to you before the, before the show, and it's, why do you stay in prison when the, the door is wide open? Why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? That's a quote from Rumi, uh, one of the many amazing uh, things that he has <laughs> dreamt up in, in, his, in his life. There, it, it is what most people do. They imprison themselves. Nobody imprisons you unless you're, you've you know, been put into a... Even somebody in prison imprisons themselves. Because there are a lot of people who've gone to prison who have taken their circumstances as an opportunity to change their thinking and change their life and consequently improve themselves in some way. And there are others who don't. You can literally um, prevent yourself... Let me just say this. A lot of people imprison themselves in the past. They imprison themselves in ways of thinking, imprison themselves in emotions, and don't realize that that's what's going on, that the prison door is one of their own making. The lock is only as strong as they have made it, and they can pick the lock at any particular time by changing the, the thinking that's associated with their being in prison. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's one of those conundrums. You can sit around, you can think about that. 
And um, even I am constantly thinking about something like that. Like, has has this thought that I have about this thing imprisoned me in some way? How's it? Has it? Uh, is it preventing me from fully experiencing this situation? And that's uh, that's a, that's some heavy stuff. If you're uh, you know as you're as you're going through your day, it's just for me. I'm just cognizant of it. I'm just aware of it. Right. So that if you I know, as soon as you have you said that, you know what came to mind was Maya Angelou's book. Yeah, I know where the cage bird sings. And when you think about her story and the 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 sheer being abandoned and the prejudice and really um, being just all the hardship that she was that she had to endure, and she took that and really learned not only to love herself and embrace the kindness of others that made her a strong spirit. And she became one of, I think, uh, the all-time great authors. I just, I just, I don't know. It always, that that book haunts me, I guess is how I would put it. It just, so much, it's just, there's so much power in those words. And as you said, could you reread the quote from Rumi again? Because I think it's it's just one to really take in. Yeah, Rumi said, why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? Wide open. You keep yourself there for what reason? Is it comfortable? Is it convenient? Is it the only thing you know? Um, people, you know, whole, whole generations will do the same thing because that's all the person teaching the next generation knows. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where... You know, things in this, this world will change um, down here. And someone said, which is interesting, somebody said this just, just yesterday. I don't know where I heard it. But she said, you know, racism, it was a woman who's, who was in California. It was a, it was a black family. She was uh, third generation. They had had, her, her dad was, a grandfather was a farmer. And in California at a time when, uh, Racism was very prominent, and they couldn't get a well dug on their farm, drilled. They couldn't. Nobody would drill a well for them because they were a black family. And so it, that that being unable to get water flowing on their property informed their entire experience. You know, how can you have cattle if you can't get them water? How can you, you know, plant crops if you can't get them water? I mean, it's like it informed everything. And uh, it was a it was a a, a conversation about uh, about reparations, but she had said something very very interesting in in the fact that she was uh, for her it was it was an experience that made her very much not only understand the whole concept of what was going on but how she could possibly change it for herself. She did not allow those circumstances of her childhood to, e- to inform her how, the way she um, grew up and the way she, w- she was thinking today, um, even though she knew that the hardship was there for her, for her family. And I, I found that to be quite interesting. The Maya Angelou quote as well, Maya Angelou uh, uh, 
you know, how do you go through all that hardship and not let it impact you by saying, you know what, that doesn't define who I am today. I have a path. I don't know what that path is supposed to be. I've got intentions that I, you know, you've got every, each one of us has soul intentions. Each one of us. Mm -hmm. We don't know, really know what they are. Some of us have one, some of us has many. Most of of us have many in many different areas. And these are intentions that we decided that we were going to realize when we lived this life. Um, What's interesting is that I have gone, well, Carol, Carol Collins will inform you as to, through the collective, of what your soul intentions are. Now imagine how amazing and empowering you would feel if you knew why you were here, if you knew what you were, uh, you had made the choice to do. I mean, I can't, to me, there is no more empowering thing than that. Mm-hmm. I have been the benefactor of understanding now, again, uh, many years into the future, what it is that, uh, and answer the question that uh, for me, <laughs> I've had that question answered in, in, in many ways right now. It took this long. For me to, whatever the journey has been, um, many books, many talks, many, uh, many, uh, many times being exposed to information um, through my own intention, uh, speakers or uh, otherwise, and in tr- attempting to understand why in the why in the heck am I here? <laughs> why am I here? And what I can understand, come understand, is that that. The whole experience of mine over the over the many decades has led me to this particular place. All that, the things that I thought were random, the things that occurred in my life that I thought were one-offs, um, and those that weren't, those that were a constant. Uh, the many relationships, the divorces, the this, uh, you know, different jobs for occupations. And the one I've had for you know the the longest period of time, three or three plus decades, all that is, all the experiences I've had with that have led me to this where I am right now. Uh, had I wished, I don't even know if I would have, how I would have reacted if in my 30s I knew exactly why I was here and what I was supposed to do. I think it would inform me and give me a different view of life and how I engaged with life. Uh, however, I. I'm so blessed for being able to know that now, which for me is um, is mind blowing and right. timely. It's kind, of, it's kind of like reading the the back of a mystery novel, reading the last chapter, and then going back and reading the first. I never quite understood why people would want to do that because it's especially in the mystery, it's the thrill of each page and the anticipation and sometimes there's frustration in there and you go, ah, <laughs> I love getting lost in a book like that. And for me to know the ending or even somebody with a thriller, uh, I think one of the movie with Christopher Reeves' Death Trap, I think when I, I saw that and they thought, oh, there was more twists and turns and uh, I just, mm-hmm. uh, so many different things, but to have known what the ending was would have made things, I don't know if it would be as joyful or you wouldn't appreciate it. I think, Michael, that's what it is. For every challenge you've had, you appreciate those lessons. And and how much that you've learned, it, it 
taught you, you know, how to be humble, how to live in your truth, how to live in love, to honor who you are. And I, I think that each each decade, each day, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It all happens really in the blink of an eye. But it's taught you to be better than you were at the beginning of your journey, whatever your yeah. soul came here to do. And, and I think most powerful of all is that you're thankful for it. You're thankful for each powerful, life-changing lesson that you've learned. Yeah, we were as, talking as about... I. Yeah, we were, I, it's true. We were talking about deaths of, of of people around us the other the other day with some friends uh, with some friends and and how it is we decided you know what the other only one thing is important and that is where we are right now and who we're with. That's what's important. That's what death mm-hmm. teaches us. The death of someone close to you it, it teaches you to to deepen the relationships with the people that you really care about right now and to be open to new relationships. That is the, 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 the biggest thing, to be open to new relationships. Um, somebody was telling me a community that they moved into, uh, a retirement community, they've already, it's a new community, and there are probably about, I don't know, 1,700 homes or something. And people have already partnered out, you know, parted out into, cl- into cl- um, cliques, right? They've already gone off in, into you know, this little grouping and that little grouping. And, and you're like, wait a minute, aren't you, like, interested in in kind of being, uh, meeting new people and forming new relationships? And it's like the same old thing. It's like what happens when you when you would go to high school that people would part off into cliques and, and, uh, and, and you're like, wow. <laughs> you know, where membership, you had to be, of a certain mindset or look or age or whatever it was to do that. That happens when you get older too. When you're when you're in a in a situation when you're retired and you're a community of people who are just like you. It's the same thing that that occurs. It's really a shame um, because what you do then is you you close off the 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 path to engaging and learning something new. And learning something new is, in my view, the most amazing thing that that you can do is to learn mm-hmm. something new. So learn something today that you didn't know yesterday, and and let that inform how you feel about the moment and and your uh, movement into tomorrow, uh, which to me is is going to be another exciting day, another amazing day. Don't know how. I just know it is, and have that faith in the fact that it's going to, it's going to occur. You know, we, we there's no reason to imprison ourselves in relationships or uh, into a, a particular profession that is removed from what brings us joy. Um, and and that's, you know, somebody who loves riding horses, but doesn't ride horses and goes off and sits in a, as an accountant in, a, in an office somewhere is not serving themselves unless they're engaged with horses when they're not there. Then they can bring that passion and that love and that, that joy to their office and, and infuse it into what they're doing. But if it's a denial situation where they're denying themselves the thing they love the most, um, I know you work with, you, know, you love animals and you work with them, you rescue them, 
And mm-hmm. I mean, imagine imagine a life where you couldn't do that, where you were uh, renting and at your apartment you couldn't have a pet. You know, would you stay there? I mean, would you put? I mean, it's like the thing you love to do the most you can't do because somebody's telling you you can't do it, right. and you have to change your life. I mean, it's like it's 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 mind blowing. So you you I've I've said for many 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 years. Whatever passions you have, whatever you love to do, if you deny yourself that thing, your life is not whole because you're not engaging in something that brings you joy. You're, you're denying that. And you can only do that for so long. I used mm-hmm. to tell people in relationships that, that same thing. I said, you know, if, you, if you're living in a loveless relationship because of insecurity, feeling that because of security, because of uh, because you don't know what you would do, you fear the unknown, whatever. You're literally denying yourself happiness, joy, and love—the love you really deserve. You're putting those things aside. You're denying those things so that you can actually have this other thing that you've now valued more than, which is security. So you're in a relationship that has no love, no joy, no thoughtful expectations, no, no nothing that you really, really deserve and need as a person, as a human being, as a human soul on this planet just because you want the comfort of knowing that you have a house with a roof and you have a nice car and you have somebody there, be, them, be that somebody who really cares about you at this particular point, that you're not alone. Not alone is not good enough in my view. And I'm sure mm-hmm. for you and others, it's not, it's, not, it's not a reason to do things. And I've, I've told people, it's fine. You can, you can do that for a number of years, but sooner or later you're going to implode. You're, it's, it's a function of perhaps self-sabotage. Uh, and I've seen that occur, where people have literally sabotaged their relationship because they couldn't, in, in, a, in a conscious way, um, change it. Not even say something. You know, which is the first thing I thought. Look, sit down and talk. Sit down and talk to somebody. Sit down and talk to your mother and father. Sit down and talk to your significant other. Sit down and talk to um, somebody you work with who's problematic. You know, the one thing they don't teach in school is communication, the way to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. There are diplomatic, loving, kind ways to communicate with people. None of that comes out. Nobody knows how to do it. And, you know, we're, we're living in a world now where less people, less and less people know how to, how to write a thank you note or write a sympathy card or um, express themselves uh, non-verbally or even verbally for that matter. And right. these are the things that are, that are really important. In relationships, these yeah. are, the communication is key, right? You're right. And I think key. a lot of people don't know how or what it is that brings them joy. And chances are that it's just the ordinary things in your life. And if you really sat down and you made a list that really make and sparks joy from you within and uplifts you and puts a smile on your face, it might just be the smell of your mother baking cookies or the sight of a little kitten or the sound of beautiful music or the ocean or whatever it is. Those are all the moments that create joy in your life. And, and so maybe that's 
something to to do for the until next week. We'll each one of us create a, a joy list and write it down and see what it is that that really brings us joy. And I think that when you step into joy, um, you are not anymore defining yourself from your past. You are starting to really make great strides into living in the present. And uh, so true. that's really what I it's love, all about. I love that. that. That is so true. And maybe that's the case. I think understanding at least is for no other reason what it is that makes you feel awesome, what brings you joy, what, makes, what brings a smile to your face. If you can engage with that more every day than you do anything else, your life will be, you will love your life more, and as an extension, you, you're, you will have a better concept of self, and uh, you will love yourself more because you're, you're smiling. And uh, people will notice, wow, what happened to you? You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you really look good. You look awesome. Is there something changed in your life? Yeah, people do notice. They pick up on that energy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quick because it is rare because so many people are in, in prison in their own thoughts and the information, negativity that, and the drama that's in their lives are imprisoned in it. So it's this ruthless cycle of, of negativity that they notice when someone within their close-knit group has something going on, that when they're smiling, what are you smiling about? You know, it's great. I love that. What are you smiling about? What you, what, why do you feel so good? You know, because I why think this thing. Why are you walking thing, on sunshine, girl? <laughs> right? Exactly. As my buddy down the street would say, yeah, walking on sunshine. Um, yeah, it, it's an amazing thing of how I, uh, I told you that, the bass player in that group is a friend of mine. We're down the street. We're going. Right. <laughs> we go to dinner. We're going to Turkey with him. We're going all over. We travel. But it's it's wonderful. Every time I hear that song, I hear it in the most interesting places. I'm hearing it while I'm cleaning the barn with the radios on. You know, I'm cleaning the horse stall. I'm driving somewhere. I'm I'm working in the backyard, uh, doing something, cooking. Yeah, I'll have music on, and the radio will play that song, and it's. Everybody's familiar with it because everybody has felt the joy that comes from that song, the joy, Absolutely. the feeling of joy that they get when they hear it. And, and it's true. We all need to walk on sunshine, like, all the time. We, have been, we should endeavor to walk on sunshine every single day. Um, you know, prison is a deep, dark place. Joy, on the other hand, lots of light, lots of opportunity, lots of thoughtful expectations, lots of everything that we're talking about. Um, self-love. We we deserve that, and it's it's we have to continually remind ourselves that we deserve it. We deserve it. We deserve joy. We deserve to walk on sunshine. We deserve all the great things that life has has to offer. And if we just simply remember that, and then we start acting upon it every single day through our own awareness and recognizing those things that don't fit that profile of happiness, joy, thoughtful expectations, and literally eliminating them from our lives, boy, that's when life really gets good. That's when things really start happening. Because that leads, that opens the door to the miraculous. That opens mm-hmm. the door to manifesting many, many more things that you really want in life. People don't get that. That is what I want our listeners to understand. You can have anything you want in life. You just have to make sure that you want it, you focus on it, and there's joy involved love involved in, you know, that you love it, that you want it, that you, you understand 
that there's a deep connection between positive emotions and you getting what you want, engaging in what you want, what you enjoy. And I love running into people who just are full of so much joy because they found what it is that brings them that joy. However, there are other things too. It's not just one thing. We shouldn't be myopic. We should continually look because we don't know how many things out there. And that's the fun part about life is to find out those many things that, uh, that bring us joy because there's a lot of things that we don't even know, you know it, uh, that, that could make us feel absolutely amazing. And uh, so that's what I wish for our PRNF and the listeners. And let's get to it. Let's make it so. Absolutely. Let's make joy the number one, you know, thing in life. Absolutely. Figure out what brings us joy. Write it down. So it is. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So grateful for this time with each one of you. And and I, I couldn't have said it any better, Michael. You know, absolutely. Make make time. Make. Find your people, live, love, laugh, and uh, fill your life with joy. And dance. Dance. The Mm -hmm. love train. (laughs) (laughs) I had to throw that in there. Absolutely. I'm still doing it. Love it. Absolutely love it. So until next (laughs) time, we'll see you on the love train. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care.